from 10 11 now. Martinez turns, hands it off. It's Mills inside the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Gabriel Mills! And the 10 11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. The Huskers come out for the kick, they've got it! It's a block punch! The Huskers pick it up at the 25 yard line and have it down to the 21. Isaiah Stahlberg was the one who blocked it. This is the End Report Podcast. A win tastes good. Could it be two in a row for the Nebraska Cornhuskers? Welcome inside the 1011 End Report Podcast with Dan Corey. I'm Kevin Suits. Dan, coming off a victory and a pretty nice one, too, for Nebraska, defeating Northern Illinois 44-8 to on Saturday. Yeah, if you were to ask fans their expectations for that game, that's probably what they would have wanted. If you would have said 44-8, to I think any Nebraska fan would have taken it. It had its rough patches, especially on special teams, but the defense overall played pretty well. What a bizarre game, though. That was just something that in the first half – you start scratching your head saying, I thought I had seen it all with Nebraska football, but yet there was another chapter, and this chapter was titled Special Teams Mania. Yeah, Austin Allen uh, in on some punts. Uh, also, uh, Isaiah Stalberg, uh, a couple of Nebraska boys making the plays on special teams. Uh, that part looked good, but giving up three block kicks did not. And not only the block kicks, but then they started changing kickers. Let's kind of set the stage for this. Barrett Pickering was in uniform for the Northern Illinois game. He did not attempt any pregame uh, kicks. So that put Isaac Armstrong back at the, back the place kicker spot, which is fine. He's made some kicks this year. After a few of the blocks, then they brought in Lane McCallum. Safety on the roster, uh, place kicker in desperate need. So he got to do the PATs at the end of the game. And then also they had William Prista, the transfer from Michigan State handling kickoff duties. Dan, we're at the beginning here of the Henry Report podcast. We don't want to spend too much time talking about, A, the kicking situation, or B, Northern Illinois, because Big Ten play is on the horizon for Nebraska. Yeah, just real fast, the kicking situation needs to get figured out fast because Big Ten play, as you said, is coming up. These games are going to be pretty close, maybe not this week against Illinois, but especially for Ohio State. If Barrett Pickering is back in uniform and playing, that is great news for Nebraska. Northern Illinois, to wrap it up, defense played well. Offense had its moments. I did like how Diedrich Mills came alive as a running back, went for over 100 yards on just, what, five, six carries. So that was good news for him. He's getting more and more comfortable with the offense, finding Holes in the offensive line, knowing when to cut back. And Maurice Washington continues to impress. I I do have a concern how he bounces everything outside. That works against Northern Illinois. I don't know how much it's going to work against Ohio State and Wisconsin. Those uh, 20, 30, 40-yard runs that you see now could end up being five, six-yard losses if he's not careful. Why are you bringing up Ohio State and Wisconsin? they got to play Illinois this week, Dan. Yeah, the Fighting Kevin Suits, 2-1, and one, uh, Champaign, Illinois, 7 o'clock on Big Ten Network. It uh, should not come. We should, they shouldn't be too concerned about the kicking situation because this game should be in hand well before the conclusion. Illinois lost this past week to Eastern Michigan at home. And from what we've heard, there are going to be uh, tickets available for free in Champaign for students. They just want people there. It's the complete opposite of Nebraska, where uh, you got to go to the secondary market and sometimes pay a pretty good price just to get in the doors. They're, they're going to meet you at the gate with a Twinkie and a, a soda just to get you inside. Yeah, get the ticket and go sell it to a Nebraska fan. I will say this. Illinois has a really good tailgating 
atmosphere and a good space for it right outside uh, Memorial. Illinois Memorial Stadium. And I know some Nebraska fans that uh, have traveled there because it is, it is one of the trips that you can drive. You can make it there, oh, when I'd say about eight hours. There's a couple different ways you can get there. Um, so there have been a, a faction of Nebraska fans that have made this trip just to check out Champaign, check out their uh, venue. And I, from the reports I've received, pretty good. And I think that was the big takeaway is the tailgate scene at Illinois was pretty good. Yeah, it's it's a road trip you'd, you'd like to make as a Nebraska fan because you know you're going to get tickets cheap. Uh, you know you're probably going to get pretty good seats. And you know you're not going to get heckled for the most part by the opposing fan base. When you go to places like Wisconsin and Colorado, it's a different story. Oh, the Illinois fans know they're bad. <laughs> it's very clear. I mean, fall Saturdays in October, uh, Fans are going to stay home, rake the leaves, and listen on the radio, maybe. Going to the actual games, you got to be a diehard at this point in time. The way that the, the, where the program is at right now, you know, Lovey Smith uh, is the head coach there, and over his tenure, he's 11 and 28. They've had a few flashes, but consistently they've been at the bottom of the Big Ten West. And I think one thing that's difficult for fans of the Fighting Illini is that they, their roster turns over so frequently that he's kind of built this year's team on the transfer market. However, Nebraska players ha- have said some pretty good things about this Illinois squad and uh, specifically their wide receivers. They have a transfer from USC uh, that I know DiCaprio Boodle is likely going to be matched up for some of the game on Saturday. And he says that he's got to be on his cues. He can't take a playoff because uh, it's pretty. they've got a pretty good group. Yeah, I... Yeah, that's what they tell us. We'll see. They have some playmakers, but Nebraska should handle its business. And uh, it's exciting to start Big Ten play. It's hard to imagine we're already one-fourth through the season. Non-conference is over. Nebraska's 2-1, and one, of course. But Muhammad Barry said today that, hey, the, the plate is wiped clean. All these teams are 0-0. Zero and zero. And he said, if we beat or if we lose to Illinois and beat Ohio State, it really doesn't matter that we beat Ohio State because we're 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten at the end of the day. He's, he values Big Ten wins, and he says that everyone is equally important. Lose to Illinois but beat Ohio State? Yeah. There's I mean, a point zero 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 one chance that that happens. Uh, that, just, that is just reaching, uh, I understand. Remember but. two years ago, or excuse me, four years ago, 2015, when Nebraska visited Illinois? Yeah, they lost. They just needed to so run off the clock, and they ran a pass play on third down. Yeah, it what was, was the, the percentage ins- there? Point zero zero one. No, I mean, there's a higher percentage. Yeah, it was low, lower But the than coaching that. staff's different. The play calling's different. That We don't need to talk about that. But that is one of the biggest play calling gaffes I can remember over the past five to ten years when Nebraska just needed to – they had the game won. They had it won. They just needed they just to run needed out the, the clock. They needed one first down, and the game was over. They could have gone victory formation. Instead, on, I believe, third and one, third and two – they, they ran a rollout pass yeah. play with Tommy Armstrong and Jr. St- and stopped the clock because yeah, it was it, incomplete. It went at the receiver's So you feet. gave Illinois more time. And then they drove the field and scored. they lost at Illinois. And that is, ugh, that, that's not a good sign if you're a Nebraska fan. That, that's probably a tough one to stomach. Um, so we don't need to belabor the point of Nebraska and Illinois in the matchup. I think the bigger discussion this week, Dan, is about where the Huskers are through three games. I think at this point in the season, you know strengths, you know weaknesses, and you can really start forming your own concrete evaluations about the team because you've been able to see them three games. You've seen a game where uh, they won by two touchdowns and they didn't look the best. You saw a game where they played awesome for a half, poorly in the second half, and they lost a game. 
And then you saw a game where they really put a lot of things together and won by a pretty sizable margin against a decent Mac opponent. Well, there's a lot of newcomers on offense, and I think the fan base really got excited uh, about the potential of this offense, and they wanted to see it right away. And we haven't seen it. We've seen the offense slowly start to develop while the defense has had to carry the offense. And that has happened for uh, about 11 quarters uh, minus the fourth quarter at Colorado. The defense, in my mind, looks pretty sharp. Uh, I want to see it go up against the big offenses, offensive lines of the Big Ten. But the defensive line, especially Darian Daniels leading the charge there, has surpassed my expectations so far. Nebraska is allowing just 2.2 yards per carry. They're holding opponents to under 100 yards rushing per game, and they're at 82. Those are um, near the tops of the Big Ten. They rank in the top 25 nationally, especially the 2.2 yards per carry. I believe that is in the top 10. Uh, and that starts, you know, we've talked about this often, Dan, that defensive line, they're doing such a great job, not just in passing situations, getting pressure on the quarterback. These are run stoppers, and it starts with Darian Daniels and just the uh, amount of space that he takes up in the middle. And it allows these linebackers to play free. Colin Miller, Mahomes. Uh, Ahmed Berry, Jojo Doman, they've all told us that they feel like they can play freer and more confidently because of the effectiveness of Nebraska's front three. Yeah, we're really seeing the defensive line get pressure. That's helping out the linebackers, and it's also helping out the defensive backs. Nebraska is fifth in the country in forcing turnovers. If you would have told Eric Shenander that earlier, uh, before the season started, he's, he would have said, hey, we want to be number one. But in his head, I know he would have been happy with being fifth in the country so far in forcing turnovers. That's exactly what this defense wants to do. You talk about the back end. I find it slightly ironic that Braxton Clark, a redshirt freshman, now has more career interceptions than DiCaprio Boodle. He's still waiting for the pick, yet he's had a fantastic career, especially with past breakups. But, you know, he knows at some point it's going to happen just because he's always around the ball, and he's made a couple of fantastic plays this year. He just can't seem to get the INT. I want it so bad for him because he's a great ball player. And I think once once he gets that pick, and I'll tell you right now, even if it's in garbage time, if Boodle gets an interception, you better not tune away from the TV or take your eyes off the field. The sideline is going to come unglued. Yeah, the defensive backs will carry DiCaprio <laughs> Boodle off of the field because they'll be so happy for him. And that's just a testament to Travis Fisher and how much he's changed the attitude in that room. We're really high on Lamar Jackson this season. We talked about it after the game Saturday night. Of course, that was live on 10-11, right? As soon as the game ended, we started our 10-11 Husker coverage with uh, coverage from the press conference, and then Kevin and I spoke on air for a couple minutes. But we continue to praise Lamar Jackson and the way he has locked down that corner spot, and you have DiCaprio Boodle on the other side. Uh, we'll see how they hold up in Big Ten play but they look like one of the best cornerback tandems right now in the conference. So we've talked a lot about this being the start of the conference season. And for Nebraska, 0-0. Zero zero. They're the favorite in the Big Ten West. However, Iowa has one conference win already. There's a couple teams that have played a league game uh, to this point. But if you're going off your eyeballs in the first three weeks of the season, I think Iowa, Wisconsin, and I'd even throw Minnesota in the mix, along with Nebraska, that those are probably the best teams 
evaluating off of non-conference play, one of those four, I think you could almost confidently say, will win the, the division. I believe so. Yeah, we saw Northwestern in week one. They went out to Stanford and lost. Stanford does not look good at all right now. That's beyond the point. But Iowa, tough game in Ames, college game days at Iowa State. Iowa goes on the road and wins. That's a, that's a big win. Iowa State, it's not your dad's Iowa State team anymore. They're a solid program. Iowa has beat them five years straight. Wisconsin, you're looking at the defensive stats. We're sitting here and talking how we like uh, some of these numbers that Nebraska has put up defensively. You look who's number one in most of those defensive categories that we're talking about. It's Wisconsin. Their defense has played phenomenally so far, even though the competition hasn't been great. I want to see how this team holds up in Big Ten play. We're about to start it. Uh, Illinois, you go and take care of business, and then the schedule really starts to pick up quick. It's going to be three consecutive night games for Nebraska. Of course, Northern Illinois this past week. Uh, the game in Champaign is going to be a 7 o'clock start. And then the following week, it's 6.30 under the lights at Memorial Stadium against Ohio State. And uh, if everything goes according to script this week, that's going to be an electric atmosphere uh, in Lincoln. In uh, not this week, but the following week. Here's a few of the player sound bites about the conference play starting and how there's a little bit more urgency and the stakes go up just a little bit starting this week. Since Frost has been here, we haven't won a uh, road game. So, I mean, we want to come into Illinois and, you know, knock that off. But uh, I think, you know, it gives you a little motivation. Like our whole team knows it's, it's time for Big Ten play and, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, almost like a start of a new season. It's good being a villain, you feel me? So going into somebody else's territory, ruining their day, is, is, is actually kind of fun, you know, because it's like your back is against the wall, you know? So when your back's against the wall, the only thing you can do is swing forward. So just going into hostile territory and just ruining their day. That was Colin Miller, Adrian Martinez, and then the last one there was Darian Daniels. When he's talking about villains, you can't help but smile when he's on your side, right? Well, yeah, and now Nebraska needs to actually be the villain because they haven't won on the road in a long time. Purdue, 2017 was the last a time. A game that went down to the to, wire. And they almost lost. So Nebraska needs to come in, and Scott Frost says that he wants his team to just play four quarters and finish this time from start to finish. And we'll see if the Big Red can do that. But Nebraska needs to win a game on the road for their psyche. And hopefully – for Nebraska fans and the team that this game is not in question in the fourth quarter because it will start to creep into the back of their mind that here we go again. But this might be the perfect opponent for Nebraska at this juncture. The juncture, the fact that they um, were able to wax Northern Illinois, then they come back with an Illinois team that's probably emotionally wounded from a loss to Eastern Michigan. And I think Nebraska really matches up nicely against the Fighting Illini. I think that they can really run the ball effectively against them. And I feel like they have an advantage on the outside, too. I think the offense is maybe going to play its best game uh, of the season in Champaign on Saturday. And Adrian Martinez, he still has not been the Adrian Martinez that we saw last year. Year, and we thought we were going to see over the course of the offseason with all the talk and hype and even Adrian saying how comfortable he was in the offense. I, I still think that he's thinking too much. And as the games pass, I think the thinking may decrease and the playing may increase. This, the instincts will take over. When he is decisive, it does look like Adrian from last year. But when he hesitates and, and thinks about it for a split second, and that feels like five days in this offense, that's where you see him take a back seat to his play last year. So that's what 
hopefully the offensive coaches are preaching to Adrian, hey, the no fear of fail- failure, that's their motto. Just make a decision and go with it. Nebraska wanted to get its wide receivers more involved against Northern Illinois. Mission accomplished, kind of. I mean, the numbers were up. Mike Williams got his first catch of the season. Kind of, I know got his first catch of the season, and there were some others that uh, got in the game late. But even if you take out the fourth quarter, I still don't know if that's as much action as they want those guys on the split end to really get. I think that they need to be targeted more and maybe go downfield more. As the season goes on, they will need to throw the ball down the field. That's not a a problem with Adrian. He's got a good arm, and uh, he's got good touch going down the field. However, I think there just needs to be some confidence built and some players outside that can go down and get up a jump ball. And hopefully, Conovai Noah is one of those guys, got his first touchdown as a Husker on Saturday, and Scott Frost raves about Noah, says he loves him. Uh, but Adrian hasn't targeted him that much, and when he did in the Colorado game, it was intercepted at the end of the game. He got his first touchdown on uh, on this past Saturday night, but I, I would agree with that, and, and this offense really sets up where those those deep shots should be pretty open because you dip and dunk with Maurice Washington and Wandale Robinson, and you really utilize the tight ends with Jack Stoll and Austin Allen. You would think those would be open, and they have been with J.D. Spielman. We've seen that the past two contests. Hopefully they can continue to get Noah, Mike Williams involved, and maybe some of those young guys, Darian Chase. Know your Husker this week, Dan. Who you got? Diedrich Mills. He's awesome. Give us a little sneak peek into the story behind Diedrich Mills. We know he, he's taken a very unconventional route to Lincoln. So he started out his career, his football, college football career at Georgia Tech, was the ACC Freshman of the Year, ran for more than 700 yards, uh, but then he got booted off the team, went to a junior college, and uh, if you've ever seen the Netflix show Last Chance You, that's what it basically was for Diedrich um, not the best living conditions, not the best diet, uh, but he, he worked hard, and Ryan Hill targeted him, and now he's at Nebraska, um, and he, is, he was a pleasure to talk to. Uh, that'll air Wednesday night right here on 1011 at 10. We always love those pieces, and of course, you know, we continue our coverage throughout the week. We have Know Your Opponent on Thursday, and we'll try not to badmouth Illinois too much, you know, but we'll try to call a spade a spade and just go straight down the, the numbers here. Dan, as you look at some of the stats and where they rank for the fighting Illini, you're looking at they rank in the Big Ten, 9th, 8th, 9th, 11th, 8th, 11th, 10th, just kind of pulling out some of the 14th and penalty yards. Holy moly. 253 penalty yards to this point. That's a very undisciplined team right there. Nebraska's so. got some numbers in the teens, too, though, when you look at the conference. so But not consistently right. like Illinois. Right. So let's just go straight to this. Give me a prediction for Saturday, because I want to move on to Nebraska volleyball. They have a huge week ahead. So well, let's, let's kind of close the book on football. Yeah, my, my breakout star for the game is Wandale Robinson. I think Wandale will have a big game, and I think Nebraska will take care of business uh, it won't be perfect, but it, it, it'll look pretty good. Maybe the best it's, it's looked all season, minus that first half against Colorado. I'll take Nebraska 49-17. 49-17. I'm going to go over 49. I think they're going to go 50-plus against Illinois. I think this is a team that's going to score nearly every time they have the football. Um, I'll take Nebraska 55-10. Okay. Somewhere in there. Both those work. Yep. Okay, so that's Nebraska football, uh, again, taking on Illinois. 
this week that's a conference opener for the Huskers and for the Fighting Illini. Nebraska is looking for its first road win in two seasons, first one under Scott Frost. The game is at 7 o'clock on Saturday at uh, Memorial Stadium in Champaign, a stadium that seats 60,000. And the game will be broadcast on BTN. Our buddy Kevin Kugler will be on the call along with Matt Millen and Rick Pizzo as well. So um, hopefully the four haven't looked at the forecast. Hopefully it'll be a nice day in Champaign. Doesn't matter what the forecast is like for Wednesday because that is going to be inside. Everybody will be headed to the Devaney Center for number one versus number two, perhaps the college volleyball match of the regular season, a rematch of last year's national championship, the Huskers against the Cardinal of Stanford. I said number one versus number two. This week, Nebraska is in the number one spot. They uh, topped the poll for the first time in a few years. Stanford falls to number two after losing over the weekend. So we spoke to the players on Monday and John Cook as well, and they're not necessarily downplaying the game, but they're not adding fuel to the fire. But remember when we interviewed them before the season started and they said all summer long, all off season that it was the three points, three points. And they, they said that a little bit on Monday, but not as much as they did before the season. And they let it be known that they have not forgotten that national championship game and what it was like to lose to Stanford. So there was no bulletin board material from the Huskers. Instead, they were just talking that this is a big game and it's a good opportunity for a team that's young. Remember, Nebraska has no seniors on it. Stanford, meanwhile, has nearly its entire team back from last year's championship squad. They have, I believe, three, if not four All-Americans that are back. It's a very, very loaded team. Um, And I asked one of the players, are you guys ready for this challenge this early in the season? And she said, Absolutely, yes. There's really no better time to play Stanford than right now. They're coming off, well, they they haven't lost this year. They were tested uh, at San Diego a few weeks ago. But this is a team that continues to get better and better. They weren't the sharpest this past weekend at the Emeritus Players Challenge in Lincoln, but they got three wins, and they have a perfect record to this point. I think it's great for the team uh, because it feels like a Final Four match in September And when you have Kenzie Knuckles and Maddie Kubik playing huge minutes for you, it's nice for them to get a taste of what it's going to feel like in December. And that's exactly uh, a Wednesday night. It's going to feel like a Final Four game with Nebraska obviously having the home advantage. That place is going to be jacked, though. I can't wait. Like, the Devaney Center is great at noon on a Friday for high point, right? And, like, so what's it going to be like at 7 o'clock when the defending national champs come into town? And, oh, by the way, that's the team that beat you in the national championship. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't know what it is right now, but a few weeks ago we were looking at tickets, and just to get in for standing room only, it was more than $100. For a volleyball match, that's pretty remarkable. And that's, uh, as John Cook would say, Husker Nation, nobody like it. Now, I think a lot of folks remember following the Nebraska-Stanford National Championship match, the picture that was innocently taken of Stanford celebrating with the trophy in their locker room. But as Nebraska fans like to inspect everything, they zoom in on the picture, and in the background you see a whiteboard, and it had uh, a drawing of Herbie Husker and a pistol pointed at Herbie's head. A hair dryer, right? That's what some people sure. said. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, John Cook's going to sit up there and say, you know, and maybe John hasn't thought about that. I, he hasn't I really thought, don't think he has Yeah, he hasn't, but the players have. 
I don't know that they have. I think he's got them so trained that that doesn't matter. You know, they just want to perform at a high level. I mean, these are elite athletes. But to get back they to that point, there. the reason we're bringing that up is because John fans know about that picture and kind of the fallout from it. And John was asked about, you know, was that any sorts of motivation? How did you react to it? And he simply said, it's college kids being college kids. And he compared, uh, or he just said Stanford is, there's great respect between the two programs and that he really appreciates Stanford wanting to come to Lincoln because the competition helps both of these programs. Maybe more so for Nebraska because of the, uh, the youthful roster and more so for Nebraska because they have not really been challenged at an extremely high level to this point. You look at Stanford, meanwhile, they have played Minnesota, and they've played Penn State. They've they played a pair of top 10 teams. Nebraska's best competition was Creighton, and that was back in August for the season opener. So Lexi's son had a phenomenal tournament this past weekend, 44 kills between the three matches, I want to say, and she played great when she was out in San Diego. Nebraska needs her to keep coming along and play that well because she has taken that extra step, it looks like. So, yeah, I mean, th th that's one of the questions that we had at the beginning of the season was who are they going to go to in crunch time? And it looks like that answer is becoming more and more Lexi's son. We've we've seen some really good flashes out of Maddie Kubik, uh, the freshman from Iowa. And we've also seen Jazz Sweet. She's been pretty effective offensively, but her kill totals are not outrageously high. Sometimes she is in that six to nine kill range when after the match when you're walking out of the Devaney Center you think she has 15 but then you look at the stats and the number is actually a little bit lower than what you thought it might be yeah Jazz seems a little improved from last season Capri Davis who th we thought was going to have a, a big role has been held out the last couple matches uh those the, the past weekend was nice because they they did face some adversity uh, as ridiculous as it sounds, playing Loyola Marymount on Saturday. But John likes to see that. I was there for that match, and, you know, Loyola Marymount had went back and forth with Nebraska. I think the final was 33-31 in set one, and he just let them face that adversity. You know, when the coaches call timeout, when you can start to see it sliding, he just kind of let them play, and they got it figured out. That's a veteran coach right there just saying – you guys go figure it out. Almost like the little kid trying to ride a bike. You've taught him. He's been able to go down the street once or twice, and he's really teetering. And instead of the parents rushing in there to save him and get him right on track and help their balance, if, if they fall, they fall. You know, you hate to say that, but it's all about growth, and I think that's what John Cook was doing with this team. Here's Nicklin Hames on the upcoming week ahead and bringing uh, number two Stanford coming, coming to Lincoln here on Wednesday. We always talk about those three points, those three points that we – we lost by and it's been a huge part of this team as well because you know we're gonna we're gonna be motivated and we don't want to lose by three points again and we want to be three points better and so I think just thinking about it um, there is that revenge factor there but I feel like we can't let it affect us too much because that's when you get going and you have too much adrenaline and that's when you kind of get out of hand so I think we just need to control that a little bit. Right before that revenge factor part of her answer there, Dan, you notice what happened? Nicklin smiled. It's like, yes, that is a legitimate part of the discussion for this match. Absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. They were thinking about it all offseason, and, and here we go. You really just can't draw it up much better than Wednesday night at the Devaney.
Okay, so that's the stage for Nebraska volleyball. And not only do they play at the Devaney Center on Wednesday against number two, Stanford, Wichita State, uh, a very talented team, uh, a really impressive squad, the one that goes to the NCAA tournament year in and year out. They come to Lincoln over the weekend. That's not going to be easy either. But I think John Cook and the Huskers have to like not playing those matches on back-to-back days. The fact that one is on Wednesday, the other is on the weekend, uh, that will serve the Huskers very well. Um, Wednesday, obviously, is going to be on uh, TV as well. College volleyball. John Cook always talks about wanting to elevate the profile of the sport. I don't know that there's a bigger stage for volleyball in the regular season than Wednesday at the Devaney Center. Yeah, and he said the one good thing is it's not on a football Saturday, right? Because when you turn on the TV – What is everybody watching on Saturday? College football. So if Nebraska and Stanford were to play Saturday night at the Devaney, yes, it would be – and let's say Nebraska football wasn't playing. They played in the afternoon. Yes, it would be a big deal in Lincoln, Nebraska, but everybody else nationally would still be concerned with football. Wednesday night's wide open. So, yeah, you might get some non-traditional volleyball fans watching it. That's going to be a lot of fun, as will the football season as it rolls on Illinois and Nebraska. That's the matchup for Saturday, as we talked about. The Huskers, Scott Frost's team, plays at 7 o'clock on Saturday. Wednesday, Devaney Center, be there 7 o'clock. If you're going to be there, you might have to open up the wallet just a little bit because that is a big-time match. We will have highlights, reaction, and stories on the Huskers all week long here on 1011. Of course, you can follow us uh, on our social media platforms as well at 1011 Sports and the 1011 Sports Facebook page as well. I'm with Dan Corey. I'm Kevin Suits. Dan, parting shot? Yeah, Wandell Robinson. Let's get him going. The pressure. All right, thanks for listening to the End Report Podcast. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now weather app. Download the 1011 Now weather app for free today.